Welcome to Boston's Best of Metro West podcast, where you go behind the scenes with financial planner Mark Condon as he asks industry-leading experts in the Metro West area of Massachusetts to talk about their businesses. Mark will find out what sets these companies apart from their competition and how they rose above the inevitable challenges they faced along the way to their ultimate success. And now, here's your host, Mark Condon. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to episode 11 of Boston's Best of Metro West podcast. The goal of this podcast is to highlight businesses in the Metro West area of Massachusetts. My guest on today's podcast is Jonathan Krieger. Jonathan is the emperor of Board Game Empire, a company that hosts events and tournaments for people to get together and hang out over board games. Jonathan has had a ton of outside-the-box jobs, from being paid to play basketball against middle schoolers to singing happy birthday to someone in a bikini. He's even written a book to commemorate all of this called Odd Jobs. You can find it on Amazon. In this episode, we talk in-depth about how Jonathan was doing trivia nights for other companies and got the idea to ultimately start his own business in 2016. His love of board games and bringing together a community of people led to Board Game Empire taking storm across Massachusetts. It's not just Dungeons & Dragons, though. They host corporate events, birthday parties, and even speed dating, where you can find love over a simple game of Monopoly. And be sure to listen to the end as Jonathan tells us how he has pivoted to successful virtual game nights due to COVID and how he defines success in any given year. And so with that introduction, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Boston's Best of Metro West. This week, we have Jonathan Krieger. Jonathan is the emperor of Board Game Empire. How are you, Jonathan? I'm doing good, Mark. Hey, Don. Good, man. Good. Uh, I'm excited to have you on. We've known each other. Jonathan and I have known each other about a year and a half now, two years when we met at B&I. Yeah, uh, I'd say somewhere in between there, a year and a half to two years. Yeah, somewhere around there. Love Jonathan's business model and would love to get into it. So you want to tell us a little about your business or you want to talk about how you grew up, where you grew up? Did you grow up in this area? Uh, Yeah, sure. I grew up in Jamaica Plain. Lived a little bit in California, but uh, for the last 10 years or so, I've been living back in Boston, um, Rossi area. How did you get into the board game empire world? You have quite a history of different types of jobs and would love to hear about them. Well, it depends how far back you want to go. Uh, (laughs) Once upon a time, I was playing online poker full time. And then uh, online poker in America basically got shut down. Basically, the entire industry was done. I was broke. I was unemployed. I had some debt, which was good. And so basically, I was just like looking for any kind of job. And I'd always thought, you know, I'd I feel like I really enjoy hosting trivia. And so I sort of got into hosting like bar trivia. I love doing that. And sort of as time went on, I just started picking up these different jobs that were sort of in the event space. And I kind of realized there's a lot of sort of like traditional forms of employment, which just didn't seem very exciting to me. But there were all these other jobs which weren't enough to be a full-time income. But if you kind of stack them on top of each other, they could be a full-time income. And each of them individually were things we really enjoyed. And so so some trivia, I started doing like acting, I started doing team building events, I was doing sort of all different stuff sort of in that event space. And at some point, I was like, you know what, I feel like I have an idea for an event thing that I want to do built around board games. So I kind of started my own thing. We called it Board Game Empire. And we started doing columns sort of board game themed events. So there's sort of events built around games. Uh, so we use board games as like a team builder. So uh, we use board games to sort of get people to come and interact and having a great time together. Uh, we did board game speed dating, so you could sort of meet someone, find love through board games. Uh, we'd have tournaments. We just launched a board game league before the virus happened, where you could basically compete against other people in different genres of board games. And so we sort of built all these different games, all these sort of different events around board games. And now the virus has happened, we're kind of shifting a lot of what we do to virtual world. 
Nice. So I want to hear, and this is, I knew about the board game speed dating. Uh, for whatever yeah. reason, that one always just sticks out to me because it just seems so so unique. Is there a specific game? Do you have multiple games? How does that? How did that work pre-COVID? I guess. Yeah. So basically, the idea is, I think a lot of the sort of traditional ways to find somebody out there in terms of like traditional speed dating, online dating. When I say traditional, I mean sort of the the newer forms of things that we've come up with, <laughs> I feel like are very geared towards this idea of like you're sort of one-on-one with somebody. And yet, I think like most of the people I know in real life have met somebody, it's sort of you met at a party or you met at like a friend dinner or something. And actually, I think that kind of group atmosphere really helps the idea of meeting someone. And that's something that you don't see as much in the sort of different dating options that are out there. And so what we did is we built a speed dating event where you're playing sort of group games with people. So split everyone up into four tables, you get three guys, three girls, uh, the men and women events. And then we have same-sex events also. Uh, we get six people at a table. We give each table a copy of the same game. We teach them how to play. We give them about 15, 20 minutes to play. And then in the men and women event, we have all the guys rotate to the next table over, we give them the next game, teach them that, and they'll play that one 15, 20 minutes. So over the course of the event, you get to discover different games and you get to meet new people. And the idea is at the end of the night, you met somebody you like, you write down their name, they put down your name, we send you each other's email and set up a time to go out. Uh, but so all the games we choose, they're games that are really fun, but they're also games that really leave breathing room for having a conversation as you play. Yeah. And if anything, kind of do something that'll kind of provoke conversation or naturally lead into sort of playful dynamics and atmospheres. So we've chosen games that are sort of tailored to that, that are also just going to be fun to discover that a lot of people probably don't know already. So they also get the experience of, even if you don't meet someone that you love, you still get to spend the night playing games and sort of discovering new games. That's a really cool idea because, you know, there's places and there's companies that host singles nights and stuff like that at the end of the day that's like going to an open networking event where it's just a bunch of people there that are awkwardly trying to start a conversation with other people and the whole thing is just uncomfortable i yeah. i don't like open networking type of stuff which is ironic considering we met at bni but it's a little bit more focused so it's like a more focused casual laid-back setting where you guys are going to be talking about something some sort of an interest and then you said at the end so i would write down somebody's name if somebody else wrote down my name you would introduce us via email, basically saying you two are inter- you guys are interested in each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's part of the idea is we've had a, a ton of people, even in people who didn't find somebody who were just were like, I had a really great time. And like, usually you go to dating events, it's like, if you don't meet somebody, it's just totally miserable. Like going on a bad Tinder date is just awful. And it's <laughs> like going to this, it's like, you could not meet anyone. So be like, I had a really fun time. I played games. We also have a separate part of the sheet where you can match with somebody as friends and not just as dates. So we've had people who have sort of sprung out friendships from doing this and stuff. Nice. So it's cool. I feel like it's just like a more fun, friendly, welcoming atmosphere than you see a lot of dating stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. But have you had any love stories uh, from people that have attended these events that you found out that ended up at least dating or getting married or something like that? I can tell you at least one successful romance through board game speed dating, which is my own. <laughs> uh, Megan, who I've been dating for a year. She's amazing. Uh, we met through board game speed dating. So at the very least, there's that one. That's the important one. (laughs) (laughs) The one that really matters. Um, But actually, like one of my sort of like projects that I have coming up is I'm basically going to mass email everyone who's ever been to our events and just sort of say, did you find someone that you're still in a relationship with? So I know I've talked to a bunch of people who have said, like, I'm still good friends with somebody that I met at a board game speed day event. But the reason I have that conversation with them is because they came back to a speed day event. I saw them and it came up. So obviously, if they came back to the event, they didn't find romantic love or at least that lasted. I think, it, you know, we've got to do a better job sort of reaching out to people and sort of finding those success stories. I really hope there are because I think, I don't know, the idea of helping two people find each other is really exciting. And so I hope so. That's awesome. That's awesome. So before we get into how you shifted, 
you know, one of the questions I've asked a couple people is before you got into this, what was your most interesting job? Yeah. So what about yourself? You have a, you have a list of great jobs. You can promote your book if you'd like. Uh, you have a list of great jobs that you've done. What is the most interesting job that you've had? Yeah. So as you mentioned, I did. So when online poker got shut down, basically I started a blog where I did different things to earn money and then wrote about them. So I was hired to sing a One Direction song to a guy on Valentine's Day. Uh, <laughs> I was hired to dress in a bikini and deliver a Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue to someone. I uh, gave blood at a sketchy clinic. I played in the World Series of Poker. So it's sort of like a collection of all those stories. Um, so actually, I was doing that. That's how I found trivia. I would say probably the dressing in a bikini was the was number one, and then <laughs> slightly below that, I was a professional basketball player for about an hour, where I was basically I worked in an after school program. And there was a student faculty basketball game, and I played in that, and I felt like that because I was paid for that hour that I was a professional basketball player. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> okay. So to me, like that's right there because it's just such a major highlight of my career. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not too many people can say they get they've gotten paid to play to play basketball. Exactly. So and that was against, you say, like... A, it was against 12 and 13-year-old kids. Okay. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> just wanted to clarify that. We, yeah, yeah. So, How old were you? Uh, uh, 28 or something. I was in my <laughs> physical prime. They were they had ways to go. So they, they were like... So we played the... It was There were two games. First, we played against the girls' team. And this is like 7th and 8th grade. And then we played against the boys' team. So we, we're like, we're warming up. And I'm just like, man, I, these kids are a lot smaller than us. Like, I feel like we're kind of destroy like what how are we we obviously need to in some way not try our hardest like so are we gonna like how are we gonna hold back was like kind of like my question i was like are we gonna like go at half speed are we gonna like intentionally throw the ball to them because like obviously we don't want to like embarrass them in front of their peers and stuff and so then like the first play of the game so the girls are like running over the court they're like stack 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 and they go into this like you know military formation they're sort of splitting off they pass the ball one of them shoots and this teacher just goes Wham! And he like slams the ball, rejects it across the court. Somebody else races across the court, grabs the loose ball, tosses it in the basket. All the kids who are like, you know, fourth and fifth graders, like cheering like crazy. The guys doing the like our city hall, you know, like holding his ear to the crowd. And I'm like, oh, these guys aren't going to go easy on them. They're going to totally humiliate and destroy these kids. <laughs> and so I think it was like, it was a very unathletic group. And so it was kind of like for them, it was like, there was never a point in high school where they were the stars who were like getting cheered on the basketball game. So this was their chance. Yeah. So it was, yeah. So it was a game against children in which we held nothing back, but at the same time, nobody was that athletic. So it, it wasn't like we were very good. So it was like, it was a 10 minute game. We won 13 to two. It was, uh, I think the finals. So it was there. a 10 minute game. Yeah. It was like 10 minute clock right the whole time. Cause we had to, we played that game and then that game ended and then we immediately played the boys team. So like, you know, <laughs> most of these people can't really, play for more than 20 minutes and uh <laughs> the boys game was a lot closer and we won by like i don't know one or something like it was like by the skin of our teeth and thank god because it would have just we never would have lived it down and oh we were losing against the boys team actually and then this guy comes in off the bench and starts like scoring like crazy for us and i'm like i don't think this guy goes to the school like he, <laughs> like we had brought in a ringer and it turned out he was the boyfriend of like the second grade teacher or something who <laughs> was basically lebron james and it was uh so yes yeah, so that was the the low that we stooped to to beat the 12 year old kids <laughs> all right that's a good story and then uh, that obviously just leads into board game empire um, yeah, how long how long ago did you start board game empire uh so we are almost at our four-year anniversary wow okay yeah nice i don't even think i realized it was full four years that's awesome 
That's awesome. Yeah, so it predates you, Mark. That's how. What at what point? Like you had talked about why you wanted you you had got an idea of how to start it, but what made you ultimately want to start your own business? Just not the nine to five thing just isn't appealing to you. You just wanted the autonomy over schedule. What were some of the the reasons you wanted to start your own? You know, I think I just kind of thought it would be really fun to do, and yeah. I thought the original idea was that we would bring in a bunch of games to a restaurant. And it would be a restaurant would have board game night, like they would have trivia night. So like people would come in to play board games, restaurant would pay us to be there to sort of draw a crowd to be free for the players. But then while they're there, they'd have food, they'd have drink. And so we're bringing in business for them. Right. And I was just like, it's like, I feel like this is going to exist. Like this seems like a pretty obvious idea and just doesn't exist yet. So I just thought it'd be really fun to do. And at the time I was like, I had, I was working on the book and I was, you know, working my jobs and I was like, I have no time to do this. I'm not going to do this. Like I always take on too much stuff. I'm not doing this. And so I just didn't do it. And a lot of times, you know, I have an idea, I'm excited about it. And then if I don't do it, like a month or two later, gone and, you know, gone to other stuff. And I just, a few months later, I was like, man, I still really want to do it. I just think it would be really fun. And so someone was just like, let's do it. So we started, I started doing it. And I just, that stuff that you're talking about, I really enjoyed like the autonomy and the like, you know, I had worked as a busser and a waiter and stuff before. And it was like, you'd go into a restaurant and you would say, like, can I please have a job? And they would say, fill out this application. And then if they choose you, then you would work this job that I didn't really like, that didn't pay, you know, pays like nine bucks an hour when I was a busser. And it's just sort of like, that's the dynamic. And so like, yeah. it was really exciting that like, I went into a restaurant and I was like, I don't know, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to come in and we're going to play board games. Yep. It's like, you're not going to tell me how much you're going to pay. I'm going to tell you how much we're going to charge. And then it's yeah. like, we're, you're not going to say whether or not you decide to go with me. Like I'm considering different options. We're going to choose one option. I'm going to decide whether or not we do it here. And so there was something that was really cool about like, oh, if you control your business, like you get to control what your day at work looks like. You get to control what the product looks like. And so then when I started doing it, it was like, you know, I was like, oh, this would make the product better. I could just do it. Like yeah. we've all had lots of jobs where we're like, oh, what if we did this? That would make the product better. And your boss doesn't want to do the work or they shut you down or there's some other political issue that you don't really understand. It's just like, no, we can make the product better. And it's like, I want to make this I want everyone who works at Board Game Empire to be like, I love this job. I had a total blast the entire time I was here. And like, even if they're only here for a few months, that five years from now, 10 years, 20 years from now, like they still remember working there. And it's like, okay, I can do that. You know, and it was so in terms, there were certain things we did for employees, which maybe weren't the best financial decision, but I knew created like an awesome place to work. And I was like, I would rather, you know, that's a trade-off I want to make. And so it's just like the idea that whatever you want your job to be, whatever you want the company you work for to stand for, you get to choose all those things yeah. uh, to me is super exciting. And so I feel like even if, you know, 10 years from now, I don't do this, I totally feel like I would start something else and want to build my own thing again. I think it's great. And like, even now, like with everything going on with the virus, it's like, this has happened. We've got to figure out a way to adjust. It's like, I get to decide what we're going to do and how we're going to do that. And that's, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously COVID's had its effect on a lot of different industries. You mentioned earlier, you've pivoted a little bit into obviously you can't do trivia night in a restaurant exactly or speed dating in a restaurant right now. So how have you pivoted the business model for yourself right now? Yeah. So I feel like what we, like, you're right. We obviously can't have people playing a board game next to each other anymore. But like the key thing that we were doing before is creating really fun events for people. And that's something that we still can do. And I feel like something that, you know, I have a lot of experience in the events industry. And so it's sort of my background. And so we're basically creating virtual events for the same people that we would have done events for before. So right now, that's a focus a lot on sort of corporate team building events and events for uh, luxury apartment buildings. But basically, 
whatever events people want to do, we can do. So we've got you know trivia and paint night and escape rooms. And I know a lot of other people in the industry. I'm always happy to introduce people to. So people come to us and they want to you know they want to do something that I can't do. I'm happy to put them in touch with those people. Uh, but then also sort of started to create our own stuff. So sort of like different games and challenges that we feel are going to be specifically fun for that group. So basically, my mindset right now is like my goal is to be the virtual events guy. Like if you want to do a virtual event, we should talk. Yeah. You know, that's an opportunity still to not only entertain people, but also to develop a relationship. And a year from six months, a year from now, if there is a vaccine, you know, I'd love to do an event for those same people and sort of show them what we can do in real life too. Yeah. So yeah. So you have multiple avenues. It's interesting. This whole, this whole thing that's happened, you see how quickly people can pivot. You're so used to doing something one way. I mean, you know me, I'm very type A, I'm very regimented. As soon as something like this happens, you have to pivot real quick to figure out what your new business model is going to be. And I don't know, sometimes it's kind of exciting for some people. I've been I've been excited to do some of the things like this podcast, for example, is something that I had wanted to do, always said I was going to. And then I don't know, it's you know, it's nice out on a Saturday and it's just like, yeah, I'd rather do something else than yeah. figure out how to start a podcast, right? So that definitely presents opportunities if you look for it. So I, yeah, I don't think it's stuff like I don't want to do it and it's really upsetting that's happened and there like there's so many I don't know, there's so many much, much worse consequences to this than what happens to my company. Right. I think even though you don't want to do it, it's like this is still part of running a business, right? Is that there's going to be stuff that comes up, which is like really, really negatively impactful for your business. And it's how are you going to handle that? And how are you going to respond to that? I like it, but I think it's important to still try and figure out what the way is for through it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How have you marketed yourself? What have you found successful? You know, for people that are just starting, I've worked with a couple of people that have just started out starting their own businesses. What have you found to be beneficial and not so beneficial, waste of time for lack of better words, I guess. What, how have you figured out good and bad ways to market Full Game Empire throughout the four years? I don't know. For me, like, I feel like there's a lot of people that talk about their business and they're like, we did this, this, and this. And then once we started doing this, then the floodgates open. And for me, there hasn't been like one thing. It's been a lot of like different things that have all helped some amount. I think that the only thing that really hasn't worked, which makes sense, is when I've tried to market on platforms in ways that I don't really understand. Like, I'm not, I don't know anything about Twitter. And it's like, oh, you should market on Twitter. It's like, all right, well, you know, and like, it was just, the money just disappeared out of my account. It, there was zero return and no way did it help. And it's like, all right, well, that makes sense. I don't know. So that didn't work for us. We did, we did a lot of events on Eventbrite, which is a great platform for marketing events. I think they're really good at sort of, you create an event and then they say to their followers, like, hey, you love this event. You would love this event. So they're really good at sort of doing the targeting for you. And then a lot of people who come to our events, um, we do a mailing list and we try and make it like an actual fun mailing list that you'd want to be a part of. And so part of the thing in the mailing list is sort of like this reminder that we do private events. So I think a lot of people who come to our public events, the hope is that they then, that helps them to come to the private events and people come to the private events. They also have an opportunity to sort of discover what we're doing out in the world. But done, I think Facebook ads have been effective for us. A lot of networking has been effective for us. Cold calling people and basically cold reaching out to people, you know, showed up at buildings, started talking to people. I've sent people messages on LinkedIn. I feel like each of those things has been like, we've done like some conventions and stuff. And I feel like each of those things has been good, but nothing's been like through the roof. But obviously just like the biggest thing is like, we do a great event. Like that's now somebody who becomes a regular. And, you know, we have a lot of, I don't know, like I feel like we have a very high retention rate in terms of like people come to our stuff, they love it and they keep on coming back. So it's like, that's always something that you can build on, which is obviously way better than this model of we get someone to buy it and then we never see them again. So it's sort of, it's all steadily increased over time, which is really cool. Yeah, it's about the relationship and about the experience, right? I mean, you're creating an experience for people and people remember that. This isn't like a transactional sale business, like some other business models that are out there. You're really creating an experience and people 
want experiences. You know, Andrea, my wife and I are coming up on our one year anniversary in a couple of weeks. And our goal, what we told each other was instead of gifts, this was last year, let's travel and create experiences. Yeah. Can't exactly travel anymore. So now I mean, I've had a few months to figure this out. Now I got to figure out a gift, <laughs> but <laughs> we, you know, we had told each other, she knows I don't have a gift yet. It's fine. This isn't going to be breaking news, but we told each other we want to create experiences. Like let's not like, we don't need to buy something just because it's August 17th every year, right? Like let's create an experience that we can remember forever. And I think that says a lot about just business and life in general. You want to create experiences for people because that experience, people want to refer your business elsewhere because they had such a phenomenal time and had a good experience with you. So I think that, and that, that type of thing is just, it's relationship oriented. It's experiences. You just, it takes a long, it doesn't take maybe not a long time, but it takes longer than something transactional to keep people coming up. And then you just build slowly building something as the years go on, which, you know, it seems like you have. Yeah. And I think you'd probably say the same thing, right? Like you're giving your customers a really important product, your clients, really important product. But the reason that they're like, oh, this is my guy is because of the personal relationship that you develop with them as their advisor. And so like, even though you're selling a product, you're really selling the experience of working with you and having that relationship with you. Yeah. And that, I mean, it just kind of goes to show almost two years later, you and I are still talking. Um, You know, we're we're buddies. We talk on a regular, more so lately. We have plans to play tennis in a couple of days. So by the time this comes out, you will probably have already beaten me. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, that's the thing, right? You, you cast this wide net when you start your own business. And then as time goes on, you have it whittled down to these are my handful of strong relationships, right? So like, instead of talking to 30 people at a BNI, maybe you have now five people over the years that you have these strong relationships with. And though that's your go-to person for this, this is your go-to person for that. And, you know, I think we can, kind of relate to each other in that aspect. We're in completely different industries, but you know, that we've you whittled down the, the strong relationships you have. And you know, what we were talking about the other night is you have a handful of people that are in correlated industries to what you're in that are kind of ancillary to what you do. And you guys can you guys have created like this little group of people that help net, network with each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've you know sort of identified people and I think this is true in a lot of industries. And this is something that I got a lot out of BNI was that everybody has like there are people who serve the same customer as you who are not competition with you, you know? And so for us, like if we do an event for somebody, there's a bartending service, there's a catering service, not always, but sometimes. And so it's like, we're both serving the same person, but it's not like they're like, what do we do? Like, do we book the board game guy or do we book the bartender? You know, you book both. And so, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's an opportunity to help your client. If you can say like, Hey, I've met someone who's a really awesome, you know, runs a really awesome bar- bartending service. And it's a great opportunity for them to help their clients if they can say the same thing about the entertainment. So it's really important to me that anyone that we're recommending is someone that I've seen in work, either that I've been to their events or that I have relationships with people who have been to their events who can really vouch for the quality of stuff that they do. But so as you've started to get to know these other people in the event space, it's really cool to be able to say somebody like, here's somebody else who's going to be able to make your events a success in addition to having a great board game party. So like we did an event not too long ago where it was a board games and ice cream party. And it was, so it was like, we've developed a relationship with Ben and Jerry's. And so like oh. they had ice cream and they played board games the whole time. It's like, Obviously, who doesn't love ice cream and board games? <laughs> like that came out of the relationship. They weren't planning to do ice cream and board games. And so I think like you find those ways that you can create a better experience for your client and that you can also, you get to meet sort of more people because you're working with these people and you can work together. Yeah, absolutely. So what industry or I guess what fields did you realize that you weren't aware of beforehand that you realized was 
a good relationship for you to build? Well, I think, I mean, B and I just sort of made me realize that like those are relationships that I should invest in. And I think like you talked about how awful open networking events are. And yeah. like that, when I heard networking, that was always what I pictured. And doing B and I, it's like, oh no, it's, that's not, that's awful. Like that is miserable. I was right. But, like networking <laughs> is sort of finding these like symbiotic relationships where you can both help each other. And so I was like, well, as much as I want to do this, they probably want the same thing. And so I actually just started reaching out to people who, you know, I knew who I'd done events with. I was like, hey, who are the best, like, who is an awesome, again, bartending service or who is an awesome catering service? And so then reaching out to those people and they were really excited by that idea. And then one of the things that I realized is like, actually, the people who do other events aren't necessarily competition either. So like, yeah. I've become really close with someone who does uh, a really awesome flower arranging class. And like, she did one, I made, like, I did one with her and like, I made something that I loved and I'm like in no way artistic. So <laughs> she's really great. Uh, but she's also just like this really like, wonderful, warm, personable person. She's responsible. So she's someone who I'd love to refer to clients. And it's like, I, you know, you'd assume it's that is competition, right? Do we book the board game thing or do we book the flower thing? But actually, a lot of these companies, they do the board game thing one month and they're like, all right, what do we do next month? You know, no matter how good of a time they have with something, maybe they want to bring you back a year from now, right. but they want to do different stuff. And so actually, the biggest surprise to answer your question was just that people who, also do events are not competition. They're actually yeah. people who can provide a great experience to the same clients and, you know, be, I don't know what the word is, symbiotic, I guess, but yeah. that we can both provide great service to the same client and we're not in competition with each other. Yeah, that's awesome. I think going back to B&I uh, real quick, I remembered when you had first joined the group that, I, that we were both in, you weren't so much a morning person. <laughs> You know, I mean, it makes sense. You're doing trivia up at night at restaurants and bars. Like, it makes sense. You weren't yeah. so much a morning person. Has that changed since uh, we have both left the, the B&I? You're still not so much a morning person? or I'm a bit offended because basically what you're saying is I look like I was exhausted and a mess every time I came in. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd say like, as you're saying, a lot of my events are at night. You know, there's not a lot of like 8 a.m. board game parties. Right. Uh, so... <laughs> They like you like we. I did an event at eleven the other day, and I was like, I have never done an event this early. Eleven a.m. Yeah. Um, wow. So that's like I know like that's oh no, I did one at nine a.m. But they were in another time zone, so that's different. <laughs> but like so, yeah. All right, you got me. I would. Say, uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that as a negative. I just yeah. It was a question I personally wanted to know because I just remember that <laughs> you would say you are a morning person, right? You're up at like four in the morning. Yeah, I mean. Before the industry I'm in now, I mean, I owned a snack franchise for Cape Cod and Wise Chips. So like you own a territory and delivered within the territory. Well, supermarkets need to be full before they open at 6 or 7 a.m. So by default, I was up at like 3 and I was out the door at 3.45. Now I, quote unquote, sleep in till 4. I'm just, I, I'm just, I've been wired that way since I was 21. You know, I'm 36 what now. What time do you go to bed? 9 o'clock. I mean, that's seven hours. That's all I need. It doesn't matter if you get seven hours from 1 a.m. to 8 a.m. or if it's 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. You just, sure. seven hours is seven hours. You know, it's just, sure. you know, and when you get up at four, you're tired by eight o'clock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's know. Like, I, no, I'm not, <laughs> no yeah. judgment. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I've just, that's just how I've been wired for the last 15 years and I don't see it changing. I get so much more done before 9 a.m. and then, like noon comes around. I'm like, I don't even know what to do the rest of the day. Like I've done right. so much, but right. it's only noon. Like I gotta, I gotta do some stuff. All right. Well, do you drink a lot of coffee. You know, what's funny. Um, up until three years ago, I never drank coffee. I didn't, I've never had, I never even had a coffee up until probably three years ago, which is ironic because I was waking up an hour earlier then, but right. you know, the industry I'm in, 
all the exams that you had to take, you know, I was doing job one, then job two, and then I had to study at night to get the licenses. So, you, you know, you're in front of the computer taking these practice exams and you're just falling asleep in front of the computer. I mean, I just, that's when I started to take up coffee and now I'm an addict. I mean, now, okay. now I have a double espresso every morning. That's how I start my day. It's delicious though. I love it. So it's nothing better than that feeling of yeah. when you desperately need it. Even uh, like, I feel like there's some delay as to when the drug actually works, but like your brain's just like, this is, ah, this is, we're great. The second you have that step. You know, it's funny. And I've told, I've told my wife this. I don't know if it really helps me now because uh, yeah. like, I really, I think it's just the action of taking a, of a sip of the espresso. I don't know if it actually gives me energy. I could be wrong, but I really don't think it does. I think I'm like, yeah. but if I go from, I have these double pods for, as I have an espresso machine, I have these double pods. So each pod has two ounces of espresso. So the option is two or four. Yeah. When I have, I've done before, I've done two pods. So it's four ounces. I am like seeing noises. I am like yeah. so wired. I'm hearing colors. Like it's, and my mind is racing. My eyes are bugging out, but I need a three. Like I need to get like a triple pod just to balance it in the middle. But yeah, Can that's where I'm at right now. A fourth of it out? Ah, I just feel like it's a waste. <laughs> I just feel like it's a waste. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Like, we all have like a baseline of energy. And when you drink coffee, it like, raises you above that baseline. But like, if you have coffee every day, your body's like, all right, we don't need to really create energy. He's clearly using this like artificial energy. Yeah. Then your baseline like drops and you're really just having the coffee to get back to what would have been your baseline without the coffee Uh anyway. And so it's like, it's kind of like, yeah, it doesn't help you except that if you don't have it, then you're just worthless that day. So it does help you. It's just, it just helps you get back to where you were in the first place, except now. In my case, you know, you're having eight gallons of sugar or whatever you put into it. Yeah. And uh, my coffee. it's it's eight gallons of sugar. That's what you put in. <laughs> well, yeah, eight gallons of sugar and then eight gallons of cream, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. I'm, uh, I've gotten to the point where sometimes around noon, I kind of want another double espresso just to get myself, like, uh, get myself through the day because I feel like I've whittled down a little bit, but I'm yeah. forcing myself to not get into that habit because it's just twice as much money every single day that I'm spending yeah. on it, you know? So. I feel like um, a lot of people dump on decaf, but it's like decaf, it tastes the same. Like it is still, it's that chance to like have the taste and whatever. Yeah, very uh, true. Placebo effects it has Yep. without wiring your brain so that it needs the caffeine. And so I, I've had some decaf coffee recently and enjoyed That's it. interesting. I've way back on coffee and it's like, oh, I can still get that flavor, yeah. a bit of that feeling. Oh, that's interesting. That placebo effect. I'm maybe, I'll try that. I'll try that. I, I, I'm not say that it's going to actually like give you no, I know that. energy, but it gives you that like warm, like I feel like I feel warm and happy when I drink coffee, partly because of the taste, partly because of the heat and partly because I know it gives you energy. Yeah. And like it still accomplishes that warm and happy feeling, even though the giving you energy part is missing. It doesn't <laughs> actually wake you up in any way. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. But well, I'll try it out. I'll try it out. All right. So back to the podcast about you. Uh, enough of my coffee talk. I think this is very interesting. <laughs> so you had said you want to be the man for virtual trivia, virtual games. How are you doing that right now? Like what kind of games or have you started new games yet? Or what kind of ideas do you have moving forward, you know, post COVID? Yeah. So I have a number of companies that I've worked with in doing events. Um, and so they're all kind of doing the same thing of doing events online, I'm doing paint night through another company I'm doing. So a lot of this stuff is sort of through other companies and then sort of building out our own stuff, you said. So like I'm building a game that's kind of like, it's basically like the newlyweds game. So it's sort of like, you know, that thing of like, you ask a question and then your partner answers it and you have to guess what your partner's answer is to it. Because yep. um, a lot of our clients are 
clients in, like I said, luxury apartment buildings. And so it's sort of, it's not just for couples, it's also for roommates, but it's basically like a battle of who knows each other the best. So we're building that, building like a, did you ever see the Friends episode where it's like, who knows the other side better, the boys versus the girls for the apartment? I have seen every Friends episode okay. at least a dozen times. The lightning right. round. It's a the great lightning. episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically we're building like an event like that for a group of friends. So if you have that like group of friends where it's like 15 of you and you've all known each other for years, you split into two teams. It's basically like which side knows the other side the okay. best, which is something that like my friends and I have been talking about doing for years and years that just like never really happened sort of like with the podcast yeah so it's like oh i know at the very least i would have a blast doing this with my friends so it's like let's build it let's test it and then if people enjoy it like that's something we could do that one wouldn't be as much a corporate event that would be more like obviously if a corporation want to do it we'd be happy to but even more like an event we'd have to the public of like get together a group of your friends and sort of we take care of like asking both sides all the questions we need to get all the information coming up with fun categories coming up with fun ways of organizing and sort of running it in that format. So we've got stuff like that. And then we've got other events that we've done in person before that we're now doing virtually. So we have an event, uh, we call it Dungeons and Dragons for first time players. It's basically the premise that a lot of people might have heard of D&D, thought it sounded interesting or fun to try, but also been kind of like scared off because it sounds like it's like this multi-month commitment or it's too nerdy. And so it's basically like we've got people who know how to play. They'll teach you how to play in like five minutes. And then just over the course of the next hour, they make they play this sort of like very streamlined version of the game. They give you pre-made characters and you can just jump in and start playing it and they'll be the dungeon master they'll be sort of making sure that everything goes in this fun interesting way and you get to sort of discover it have fun with people see if it's something that you like and so that's one of our events that we do that's like oh this could totally be done online so we're trying to convert that to being an online event versus a lot of other stuff which doesn't work online so rather than try and put a square peg into a round hole and do that we're not doing those okay that's fair love that friends episode i can such a good episode. The lightning round, everything. Friends who say that's their favorite Friends episode, and I think that's fair. It's a great one. It's up there. It's up there. I can have a whole other podcast episode on Friends episodes to go through like Mark's my top Friends five. Episode. Mark's favorite Friends episode podcast? Yeah. The one when no one's ready. That one, they're all getting ready for Ross's speech. When everybody finds out about Monica and Chandler, and then mm. the lightning round, those are my top three, I think. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I would go more some of the like first and second season ones. I really love the one was it Brooke Shields where it was like um, <laughs> yeah. this girl that Chandler like used to make fun of and then she turned into like this total smoke. Julia show. Roberts, so, yeah, yeah, Julia Roberts. Brooke Shields was in there too though. She stalked Joey. She st- yeah. Was that the same episode? No, I think it was a different episode. Okay, I've, yes, I've merged these two episodes because I love both of those episodes. Yeah, separately, right? Where they all had to like throw water in Chandler's face and get to the that actually wasn't Joey. It's his identical twin. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. That, yeah, that's why I've merged those because those are like two of my all time favorites. Yes. Yeah. Great episodes. If we ever do a, a virtual trivia night with my friends and I, anything friends related, I'll just crush them. Any, okay. Any questions? So we'll keep that in the back of your mind. <laughs> Good to know. Outside of Board Game Empire, what does Jonathan do? What are some of your hobbies? Obviously, you enjoy tennis. We are playing tennis in a couple of days. Um, I don't want to set the bar too high. I feel like <laughs> you're coming to this game like, ah, oh, Jonathan plays all the time. He's going to destroy me. I'm very unathletic. <laughs> so even though I have played a lot, it still won't actually be reflected in my ability on the court. <laughs> so I'd say like I, and I think this is common for many Jewish people. I love to play sports, but I'm not in any way good at them. Um, <laughs> so like I play basketball, not good at basketball, yeah. but play it all the time. Obviously, I like board games, uh, but pretty much any game by extension. So I like sports. I like watching sports. I like playing games. I like playing board games with friends. Very into writing. I wrote a book. I don't know. To me, like, I think the thing I just enjoy is spending time with my friends and, like, I don't know, having a, you know, a few close friends over for dinner and just yep. hanging out. That's uh, yeah. kind of boring, but say so that's the top list, too. 
It's not boring though, because uh, I don't know. Like, it just as you get older too, like you have the you have a concentrated group of closer friends that you just want to spend time with instead of hanging out with twenty people you're not that really that close with. That's how I feel about it. I get a concentrated group of close friends. Well, here I have a question for you. This circles What's back it? to something that you said earlier. So I don't know if this all if this is too far removed from when we originally talked about it, but we were talking about how basically important relationships are to building out a business, and that. For example, like you're selling a product, but really you're selling your relationship, people, the relationship with you. So in terms of how you interact with people and what that relationship means, or what that relationship looks like, how do you feel like that's changed from what, when you started doing this to now that you've kind of, like I said, realized it, how much it matters and in what ways has that changed over it's the changed, last, over I mean, it's, changed, it's a good question. It's changed a little bit where we do, obviously everything's over Zoom uh, right now and how to pivot and learn how to you know, walk through everything to make it as impactful over Zoom than it was in person. Getting creative. It's a lot of other ways to interact with people through video, right? And, or through a video email I was doing for a while and really creating this connection with somebody. Right now, I have a bunch of these cards I just wrote out and giving people $10 gift cards to JP Licks to enjoy like, you know, a, a day, uh, an ice cream outside in the summer right now in the, in the heat wave. So it's, Doing instead of constantly being in front of people when you can't be in front of people as often, it's constantly forcing you to get creative and to thinking of ways outside the box to touch people. Whether it's you know whether it's through a visual like a, an email or it's through you know just a card with a ten dollar gift certificate to to JP Licks and stuff like that. You know, it's just about getting creative and and pivoting in ways that you just didn't think of beforehand. I don't know if that really answers your question. I'm supposed to be the, ask, the one asking questions. I'm sorry, I was just saying as. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good question. I think a lot of people have had to adapt in a lot of different ways, depending on what industry you're in. You just have to get creative and think of ways to be as impactful if you can't be in front of somebody in person. When you started this, did you have an initial goal that year? Did you have a one-year goal? Did you have a five-year goal? Or was it, was, was it just, let's just figure this out and see what happens type of a thing? How did you approach it when you started? Yeah. So like I said, when we originally started, the idea was we'd bring in a bunch of games to restaurants, we would do a game night. And so my goal was, you know, I had these ideas of like, you know, I want to be in this many bars by the end of this year, I want to be in this many by the end of that year, build out a team, you know, I'd set a place up, get a place running, build a following, have somebody else take over, I'd go launch the next place, start to get people who I have real confidence and can just do it on their own from the beginning, which is I think a lot of how the trivia company that I work for grew. So that was sort of the model for me. I don't know, like one of the things that I've come to really feel as I've run a business is like, I actually really don't believe in goals anymore. And I think that there's a lot of issues with them. So I can talk about more, more if you want, but basically it was like, at one point we, that model wasn't working. Like we yeah. weren't getting people to come into the restaurant. People would come in, they would have a great time. They're like, this is great. They'd come back like three months later and they're like, oh, we had so much fun. We want to get back. I'm like, oh, we, we really need you to come here every week for this to work. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. Three months is going to cut it. And so, <laughs> but we started doing these events where it was like, we're trying to draw a crowd to come check this out. You know, so we do like a tournament. They do the tournament. Yeah. And at the end of it, we're like, and we're here every night, every Monday night doing this regular board game night. We did this tournament as like a special one-off thing. And those events would draw people in. And then we'd go back to the next week where we didn't have a special event and the crowd would go right back down to <laughs> very little. One of the events somebody had suggested that we try was board game speed dating. Yeah. I was like, all right, we'll try it. I was like, if we do, I, don't, I said, if we sell, the max was 10 tickets for guys, 10 tickets for women. But I was like, if we could sell 10 tickets total out of the 20, like we'll, st- we'll run it. I put it online and it like sold out and then we did it again and it sold out. And I was like, Oh, this, all right. 
cool. <laughs> and all the events before that point have been free. The only reason we've been charged for this event is I was like, if we do a speed dating event that's free, we're going to get a bunch of people to say they're coming and nobody's going to show up. Everyone's going to flake. Nobody, yeah. you know, that's how people are with dating. We need something that like commits them to come. Yeah. So it's like, I wasn't even trying to make money. We were just trying to like nah, make people feel obligated that they had spent yeah, some money. Totally get it. Up. And so I realized like, oh, this is what, like people actually come to this. We're making more money. It's more fun for me to run it. It's more fun for them to participate in it. We shifted and that became the business. And so it was like, that goal we had set at the beginning of the year of we wanted to be an X number of bars was totally worthless because that wasn't what the company was anymore. And so now it was sort of this new thing. And it was like, okay, if we had, even just the fact that I'd set that goal still made me feel bad about making that what was obviously the right choice for the company. It's because like, oh, I'm not going to achieve my goal. I'm not going to cross it off at the end of the year. To set a new goal for this new thing would have been crazy because like, I have no idea how much it's going to grow. I don't know how much people are going to be interested in it. And it's possible the goal I set would be absurdly too low or absurdly too high. And then you sort of become mentally attached to that number. And so I think for me, much more than that kind of shifted a lot of my mindset about goals and that it's like, I want to be running this company the way I want to be running it and making what seems like the best decision at that time. And a lot of times there's like a focus to that, which you could argue is still a goal, but it's not like we want to hit this number by the end of the year, because there's so many other things that could change. And there's so many things you could sort of even, like I said, realize about your own business, which would change my mindset about what it is. So there were originally goals. Um, now I feel like the goal is do whatever, build out the thing that seems to be the best thing for the players and for the company at that time. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Uh, that leads me into perfect segue into my final question, which is everyone has a varying depiction of what success looks like, right? 2020 is certainly an anomaly, uh, I hope. <laughs> um, and it's certainly changed the way a lot of people define success. But how would you define success for yourself and Board Game Empire in 2020 this year, or in any given year, I guess. I think of success in general as like success is when your life lines up with the way you want your life to look, you know? And so it's like somebody who makes $10 million a year who really wants to make $10 million a year is successful. And somebody who makes $10 million a year, but just wants a job where they're happy and they hate their job that's getting that $10 million a year is not successful. So like the actual thing itself, changes but sort of like what is the thing that matters to you and so for me like board game empire i always say the goal of the company is to create joy i want everyone who does an event with us to just have an awesome time for that to be just so much fun i want everyone who works for us to have an amazing experience working for us and i want it to be a really fun experience for me to to do what i do and so to me like that's what's success if everyone's having a really great time and so there's a lot of stuff that we do that said i don't think it makes financial sense but i know it creates joy for one of those three parties and just the act of creating joy for other people makes me have fun but also you know that that means that the company is going to be in line with how i want to live my life so that it's not a hundred hour work week or things like that right um but that is something that also sort of gives me the free time to do the other things in life that i care about and to live the life i want to outside of the company as well yeah that's fair balance i totally get it you know when i started the podcast when i started asking people that question i think just naturally i was assuming some sort of a monetary response to that yeah. question. I didn't really think about the question. I mean, obviously everyone wants to have create an income. You know, you don't not too many people yeah. start a business to just not create an income. Uh, yeah. you know, that'd be considered a hobby. Uh, but the more I've asked this question, I don't think one person has actually given a monetary response to that. You know, everybody has some people just want to get down to a 50 hour work week. Some people just want to make sure the children that they have are raised to be just good, kind, genuine human beings. And yeah. You know, to what you said, I think, I think it's just, it's, that's exactly what success means. Like somebody who hates their job and makes a ton of money 
I mean, if you're not happy, how, like, I don't even know how you consider that successful. So, yeah, I, I always think like every time someone gives business advice, like the sort of like, it's always like, here's how you can maximize money, right? Like, it's like, oh, you should, you know, market here. Why should we market there? Because you make more money. You should, you know, this is how you should do hiring. This is how you should do product development. This is how all this stuff. Everything is always from the perspective of this is what makes the most money. And yet almost every entrepreneur that I know, and obviously like, I don't know Jeff Bezos, you know, like I don't, maybe these people at other levels, the goal really is money. But so many entrepreneurs I know, it's like the thing that they love about their job is not how much money they make. In fact, a lot of people, I certainly feel this way, like could be making more money in other fields, but they really love what they do. And so it's weird. It's interesting that like all the business advice, all the blogs, the podcasts, everything is focused through that lens of how do you make the most money? But it's like, there's so much else that you get out of running a business. And that's also, I feel like people are on the magazine covers and it's like, this is how much they're valued at. This is how much they're yeah. worth and things like that. But I agree with you. I feel like the entrepreneurs that I meet, that's not often, that's not usually the number one priority. There are definitely people who it is the number one priority. Yeah, of course. But for a lot of people, it's not. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great way to end it. I think that's a, that's a great definition of success. Jonathan, you are on, you're on Facebook. You are on Instagram. You are not on Twitter, correct? <laughs> we're on Twitter. We're just really bad at it. We're, okay. you know, which is also, by the way, how I would describe our Instagram presence as well. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, we'll make sure to include all of the tags so people can find you and locate you and keep everybody in the loop with upcoming events and everything like that. Thanks for coming on, man. This was great. Uh, cool. it was, Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. This was a lot of fun. And as, as things go along, I'll keep you posted. But until then, I'll talk to you soon. Hey everyone, I just want to say thank you for checking out my podcast. I really do appreciate the love I've received for this show. I believe now more than ever, any exposure to local businesses is great for them to receive and I'm trying to do my part. If you are a local business owner or someone you know in the Metro West area that would like to be featured on the podcast, please email me at bbmwpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you enjoyed the episode, please follow this podcast. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash BBMW podcast, as well as Instagram with the handle at BBMW underscore podcast. Again, I truly appreciate the great feedback for the show and stay tuned for each new episode every Friday at 8 a.m. Take care.